everybody. I'm Marin, and this is my husband, Dallin. We're just two ordinary people who fell in love and had some kids. Welcome to the podcast where we talk about the ups and downs of marriage, parenting, and pretty much anything else. We promise to keep things real and maybe even make you laugh. We also talk to some people who know a lot more than we do. We hope this is a place where you can feel understood, enlightened, and entertained. Thank you for joining both Both of us. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Both of Us podcast. I'm Marin Trubay, and I'm here with Dallin. Hi, Dal. Hi! Yes, I'm here. Even though this is the interview episode, news has been one of us, I'm here with Marin today, and I'm really excited. Yeah, we hope you all had a really good week. What did we do this week, Dal? Well, I got a new office at work that has a window in it. <laughs> it's not a closet office, and it made me very happy, and I've been chipper and bright and so happy today and this week. Um, we also had a date night. We didn't just preach it. We did it as well. And mm-hmm. A very it, makeshift date It night. was rough. <laughs> it, it was my turn this week because we switch off. And we kept trying to put the kids to bed. And then one of them would want to get up for a little bit. And then we put that one down. And then the next one wanted to get up. And Henry was up the latest. And it was 11.50. And he no, 10.50. Or 10.50. And he finally went to sleep. And Marin had really wanted a sugar cookie. From I've been watching Nailed It. Yes. For like hours <laughs> waiting for our children to go to sleep, which just got me so in the mood for a sugar cookie. Even though I'm not supposed to eat sugar cookies. <laughs> <laughs> so I was on a mission to find my wonderful wife a sugar cookie. And I found a place right around the corner. I jumped in the car, sped over there, grabbed the sugar cookie literally as they were closing. <laughs> I was very proud of myself. Yeah. And then I drove. And then he grabbed some flowers. Yeah. Drove to the store, got some flowers, got some drinks, came home, ate some cookies, and then went to sleep. <laughs> but that counts, right? That counts as a date. It was fun. We yeah. enjoyed it. I, lo- I liked that. It showed that you loved me. Yeah. You would go and get me a sugar cookie at 10.50 p.m. Yes, it was wonderful. I liked our date. And then we also got to see something really hilarious with our awesome little Henry boy. He, uh, <laughs> We went to a birthday party and Moana showed up. And as you guys know, Hudson loves Moana. Have we even told them about how much? I don't Hudson think they've heard Moana? that yet. Have you? I, I don't know. If we've ever. Our two-year-old loves Moana. He just idolizes well, her. We were in Hawaii. Every single person was Moana the whole time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. He loves Moana. So Moana showed up to this three-year-old's birthday party, and he was so starstruck. He, he was would shocked. not <laughs> go closer to her than 10 feet, but he stood a good 10 feet away from her the whole entire time she was there staring uh-huh. at her and whispering, Hi, Moana. Hi, Mo- Hi Moana. Moving Hi, his Moana. hand really slightly. Hi, Moana. He was, was so, so starstruck. Um, but the best was when Moana taught the hula dance. Uh-huh. And our little one-year-old who barely, I mean, he's still a wobbly walker. <laughs> 
was doing the hula. It was like the best <laughs> thing I've ever seen. Was watching and trying his best. He is freaking cute, and he was just dancing around trying to do the hula. He with had his little arms else. out, shaking his hips, turning in a circle in his little swim diaper. That's all he was wearing. <laughs> and we will be definitely posting a video of this on our yeah. site and linking to it. Don't worry. If you go to bothofus.net <laughs> and find this episode within the podcasting tab, you'll be able to see the video. It'll be right there. Well, today we have a treat. Um, we know that last week we announced that we'd be having Ashley Gad mm-hmm. this week. But what we didn't know is that she was going to be going on sabbatical until September. <laughs> Yay, good for her. So <laughs> but we <she> learned that <laughs> last minute. So. She will be joining us the first week of September. So we decided to air our episode that we were saving for a couple weeks from now instead, which we are equally excited for. Mm-hmm. And that is Sarah Powers from The Mom Hour. She is a powerhouse. She's awesome. It's going to be really fun to hear your guys' interview with her. Sarah is the co-host of the Mom Hour podcast, a weekly parenting show that offers practical tips and real-life encouragement to moms who want to enjoy motherhood more and cut back on comparison, worry, and stress. She is also a writer whose essays and articles have appeared online at the Washington Post, Scary Mommy, the Huffington Post, and more. Sarah lives in Orange County, California with her husband and three kids. Today, she is going to share loads of wisdom about how she got into podcasting, writing, and she's going to share a really good pathway to get there for those who may want to pursue creative endeavors or (laughs) aren't sure they want to yet, but it's been on their mind. Um, I received tons of inspiration in this interview, and I think you will too. We'll also talk about mom moments that are hilarious, we'll laugh a lot, and we'll talk a little bit about marriage. So let's welcome Sarah to the show. Okay. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to the Both of Us podcast. Hi, Maren. Thanks for having me. (laughs) We're so glad to have you on. It feels kind of surreal talking to you just because I've been listening to the Mom Hour for about a year. (laughs) And here I am. I know. It's so weird. I feel like I already know you in a sense, (laughs) but (laughs) now we can officially become friends. This is awesome. Love it. Did you know that there's another Sarah Powers, actually, who's like a famous yoga instructor? You know, I think you're not the first person to tell me that. I mean, it is a like it's one of those names when my maiden name was pretty unusual. And so I wasn't used to having obviously my first name is very, very common. Uh-huh. Um, and then when I married into a Powers uh, last name, I've run into several. But you're not the first person to tell me that. I can't remember where I heard that. But yeah, there's, some, there's others. <laughs> yeah, that is hilarious. Like I researched that and I went, I didn't know she was like really into yoga. She's never talked about that. And then it wasn't you. So <laughs> not me. Have you tried yoga? Do you do yoga? Yeah, I like yoga. I, I wish someone would just sort of forced me to go to class twice a week. I, I haven't made it a regular practice. I do it. I always feel good when I do it. I do like it. But yeah, it's one of the few exercises where I don't feel like death at the end. <laughs> yeah, but it's hard. I think it's that's why it's hard to motivate to go is it's it's hard work. It is hard work. You expect it to be like this Zen experience and then your muscles are killing you and you're like, right. this is not what I signed up for. <laughs> right. Um. So I just listened. Well, it was last week, actually, that I listened to your um, mom fail episode it was awesome thank you um it's called our worst mom fail moment we'll link to it i think everyone needs to go check out this episode i seriously nearly spit out my diet coke several times (laughs) (laughs) 
because I was laughing so hard. <laughs> My favorite mom fail was your jaywalking story. Oh, sure. yeah. Do you mind just yeah. sharing a little bit of that story a little bit? Yeah, just no, I can tell taste. that story. And, you know, I want to point something out first because um, my co-host Megan and I on the Mom Hour, we really try to be sensitive in how we word things. And um, we're pretty careful. Both of us come from a writing background. So we're used to making sure that we communicate things the right way. But mm-hmm. I did have someone point out that calling something a mom fail, especially in the really vulnerable times of new motherhood, does kind of perpetuate this idea that like you can be bad at this or Mm -hmm. fail at this. And I had, that had not even occurred to me. And I think 90% of of our listeners who heard, they knew what we meant. Like we've all had those moments where we really mess something up and and the shame and the guilt is what we put on ourselves. We're not saying like you actually fail at motherhood, but (laughs) I did have someone point that out. And I, you know, I'm always wanting to look at the messages we're putting out there. So I, it did make me think, I'm not going to change the name of the episode. I think most people knew what we meant. But for anybody who is sensitive to feeling like a failure or for whom that's kind of a trigger, I do want to be sensitive to that. But yeah, I'll tell the crossing the street story. So I was um, a brand new mom. I had like a three-week-old and I was feeling pretty proud of myself that I got us ready to go for a walk. And my plan was (laughs) to walk to the grocery store that wasn't far, maybe like a quarter of a mile, a third of a mile. Um, And it was mostly through a neighborhood. And then at the end, you cross this main thoroughfare street, like two lanes in either direction, kind of a divider in the middle. And I had, my husband and I used to walk to that shopping center before kids and we would jaywalk across the street. And we just, you know how there's like a little cement divider in the middle. So you look, you look at the traffic coming one way, you kind of dart across and then you hop up on the divider and then Mm -hmm. you have, you you can collect yourself (laughs) and make sure there's no traffic coming the other way and then keep going. Um, I mean, I am, I'm a straight laced girl. So this is about as, (laughs) as far as I go in breaking the law, but it had never been a big deal. You could walk another, you know, another hundred yards down and do a crosswalk, but we'd always just jet it across. Who wants to do that? I mean, right. So I'm, you know, a sleep deprived hormonal new mom with this giant stroller, like the big kind from 10 years ago where the car seat goes in there, like the stroller system. We all know it. Yeah. I, I get to the end of the neighborhood residential area and I pop right out onto Greenway Parkway and head over to the divider. And it's not until I'm in the middle of the road that I realize that center divider is very small. It's just wide enough for a person to hop up on the curb. Yeah. But I have this giant stroller that I can't, I can't get it up on the curb. Even if I could, <laughs> it's not wide enough for, for all of us. So I'm in the middle of, you know, this is, I think speed limits like 55 when cars are going or 45, but they really go 50 with my three week old baby. And now I can't go back. Now I just have to stand there in the middle of the road. You're like I'm in too deep. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then wait till it's safe to make the rest of the way across. And of course we were fine, but I think um, what I shared on the episode was it wasn't that we were in mortal danger. It was that it didn't even occur to me to go to the crosswalk. And that was really haunting because it was like, I'm a good mom. Like I've Mm -hmm. read all the books and I'm taking really good care of this brand new baby. And I just marched us both out (laughs) into oncoming traffic. So I think, yeah, I've never forgotten that feeling of like, oh, my life is different now. And maybe in ways that like, I need to stop and think about before launching out into uh, traffic. (laughs) 55 mile an hour traffic with your giant solar system. Yeah. Yeah. It's just too good. Oh my goodness. I've had those moments and I realize that other people may be looking at me like this is awful. And like you said, it's not a mom fail, but I want to just shout like, this is just a bad moment. Right. <laughs> Check in later today when we get a handle on ourselves. 
Right. And that's always good to keep in mind too, when you are looking at someone else who's a hot mess, like it's (laughs) tempting to be like, oh man, that lady's really yelling at her kids. Like Mm -hmm. really, she is like really going at it. But once you have been on the other side of that a few times, I think we can all realize that you're never looking at someone's you're probably not looking at someone's best or worst moment. Like it's somewhere along the continuum, but you right. might be looking at them having a really, really bad day. Exactly. <laughs> so. Exactly. Well, I had my first big giant mom fail recently because my two-year-old broke his leg oh. uh, while we were going down the slide together. Oh, yes. Oh, I can picture it. <laughs> oh, it was just an awful moment. And speaking to what you said earlier, I just, I just felt so guilty. I felt like the biggest failure ever. But my sweet neighbor came over and she brought me a tree and she said to me, only good moms go down the slide with their toddler. Oh, that's really sweet. (laughs) So then it just came to me like, okay, this wasn't really a fail. It was me attempting to do something awesome, like to be a good mom and go down the slide with my toddler. And so I just thought about that during your episode, you know, only good moms take their brand new baby out on walks. (laughs) I love that. I love that. If we can reframe that of what was the intention um, and, you know, life happens. Really? Yes, it does. I hope all of our moms listening can apply that to anything that only good moms try. We're all trying, right? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Well, I won't give anything else away from your episode because I want our listeners to go listen to it and we will link to it. (laughs) There's some good ones. And we have gotten so much feedback um, uh, and people sharing their own mom fails. And some are kind of funny and some are really raw. Mm -hmm. Some of ours. I mean, I said this in the episode, but I think we expected to laugh through that episode and be like, oh, my gosh, can you believe this happened? And it was more emotional than I think either of us realized. Even the stuff that's been 10 or 15 years, 10 years for me and more for Megan, um, just because those feelings are really real. And some of the ones I feel most guilty about are not the ones that involved like life or death situations. They're just, right. they're just funny. So yeah, go listen guys. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, it really is such a good episode and I appreciate that you keep it real. I feel like we need a little bit more of that. How do you try and keep it real through social media? Yeah, I think that's a really good question and a a really important topic. I feel grateful that I'm a little bit ahead of where you are in motherhood and have been using social media uh, maybe not longer than you, but maybe longer with With kids kids, and observing moms on social media for a good, you know, eight or 10 years now. Mm -hmm. And um, here's one thing I think. I think it's really hard to keep it real um, when it's stuff that you are actively going through at the moment. Now, when I say hard, I don't mean it's impossible. So I think you can find Instagrammers out there and bloggers who are sharing something really raw that they're going through right now, whether it's a you know behavior struggle with a child or a mental health issue for themselves. And there are people who do that and do it authentically and do it well. But I, I think that's the minority. I think the temptation, there's the other two ways you can go is gloss over that And pretend like everything's perfect, which I think we'd all agree is what gets us into trouble, right? Right. Like we often find out later that the person whose life looks most perfect on social media was actually going through something really, really, really terrible at the time. So you can gloss over it and pretend everything's perfect, or you can just kind of say nothing or maybe take a step back (laughs) from social media. I think that's where, that's what I tend to do. And that's not, not necessarily a conscious choice, but for me, um, I think the being real and raw and vulnerable in the moment of something I'm going through is not really how I like to be on social media. 
So I would just choose to not post if I'm rather than gloss over and post something that makes it look like my life is perfect. Now, having said that, the benefit that Megan and I have about being farther ahead in motherhood that than most of our listeners and our followers is that it's much easier to talk authentically about when things are raw and real with a little bit of distance behind you. So I think that's where, that's where I choose to focus my voice, whether that's on social media or on the podcast, um, is that with the, with the benefit of distance, like the mom fail episode is a, is a good example. Um, when you're ready to share, I think it's such a huge gift to people that you're connected to, Mm -hmm. to, to be real about what that looked like and what it felt like, even if you're not able to share in the moment. Does that make sense? And I don't, I don't think there's a wrong way to do this. Um, I, there's some people I really admire who it's, you know, are keep it real in real time about what they're going through. But if that's, if that's not you, I think that's okay. Um, but I think we need to be careful about um, putting the glossy filter on and pretending things are different than they are. It's, I guess what I'm saying is there's a middle ground. You can choose not to share or you can choose to go through kind of a, a quieter period with social media so that you don't, you're not forced to choose between fake perfection or like ugly cry on the internet in front of thousands of people. Like there's, there's right. somewhere in the middle. So Gotta I think find that's that balance. I yeah. I read something online recently and I wish I could credit it to somebody, but it said like, I don't always post the hard moments because I can't like during the hard moments, I am not yeah. on social media. I'm cleaning up right. the poop or like handling yeah. the tantrum and the yeah. times where I have time to post on social media is when things feel pretty peaceful and perfect, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's important to know. And I think one good thing I think is that I think we're becoming a little bit savvier in our social media consumption. And my hope is, you know, I have a 10 year old daughter, Megan has a nine year old daughter and you know, she has teenage sons. My hope is that by the time our kids are actively using social media, that they are really savvy about knowing what's real and what isn't, what messages are being put out there and that there's so much more than you see uh, behind that you're not seeing behind that, you know, that one social media post. So I'm kind of hopeful that we're going through a little bit of a learning curve as human beings. And that by the time my kids get into this, that just like advertising, right? Like if you like commercials on TV, we, we all are relatively savvy now where we say, well, okay. Like I know that I'm not actually going to look like you know, Giselle Bündchen, if I buy that bag or whatever. Yeah, or Um, those infomercials like, I know I don't have that hard of a time using a blender, but. Right, right. So we have like accumulated that. And I feel like social media, it's just taken a little longer because it is this blend of the personal and then the perceived image. Um, So I think, I think we're getting there. And I think, you know, I think each person, no matter the size of your audience, um, has an opportunity to keep it real. I guess I just think that keeping it real doesn't have to mean bearing everything all the time. I think there's different ways to do that. I think humor is a great way to do that. I mean, I started out um, really wanting to be kind of like a funny mom blogger um, because the humor was where I saw the realness. Um, and there's, you know, there's there's a there's an image in humor too. There's a spin that's going on there too. But I think there's different ways to keep it real. Totally. That is awesome. So many good nuggets of truth in there <laughs> that moms need to hear. Um, so, and I and I feel like it's important to not feel guilty about flaunting those good times either. I, I agree think that now there's like a new form of mom guilt about like 
not keeping it real enough and we're yeah. all trying to find this balance and we feel bad if our Instagram looks too perfect or something. Yeah. So you're right. It is important to find the balance and to just be a little more savvy with how we consume what other people are posting. That's, that's Yeah, awesome. I think that I think that's a really good point. And the beautiful thing about the internet is it's an opt-in situation. We can choose who we follow. We can choose who's, you know, how we curate that feed for ourselves. So I don't, I don't think anybody should feel guilty about their Instagram feed looking the way it does. That, that picture perfect Instagram feed might be putting dinner on the table for their family. That might be their career. So Mm -hmm. I'm not in a position to judge that. I think what I feel more strongly about is, like I said, becoming, becoming curators of how we want to consume that media and being really mindful of what makes us feel great to look at and what makes us feel like garbage and then unfollow, you know? And I've had to unfollow some things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, and then other things are inspirational, so. Right. Yeah. Our sponsor for this episode is Bacon. Bacon is like Uber, but for all kinds of jobs. Bacon gives you access to one-time, short-term jobs for companies in your area. You could be covering someone's shift or picking up extra hours. Bacon just launched. So if you would like to receive an extra $5 on your first job, visit www bacon.work slash both of us. Again, that's www.bacon.work slash both of us. Okay, let's get back to the episode. Let's switch gears a little bit. I'm really interested to know your story. I want to know when you knew you were a writer, how that evolved into podcasting. Do you mind sharing that with us? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, without like giving a super long bio, I, I was an English major in college and always gravitated toward writing. I didn't really think that could be a career. I didn't know what I wanted to do after college. I had a brief stint actually dancing. I was a ballet dancer as well. So then that, I did that for a little while. Um, and then I was working for a family business in kind of corporate writing and communications. And I actually loved that. I didn't I didn't ever think that writing, writing sounded like something you do up in an attic, like with a quill <laughs> and like a cup of tea. And so yeah. it was fun for me to realize that there is, there is a, um, a business or a corporate path for writers. And I did a lot of, like I did ghostwriting for articles. Um, I got to use kind of the business strategy part of my brain and then do a lot of writing. And that was great before I had kids. And I continued in that role after I had my first baby and I was able to do a kind of a 60% part-time schedule. And that was also great. And then when I started, when I was pregnant with my second baby, I decided, and we decided because the um, finances were a little bit better to support this, that I was going to stay home full-time after I had my second baby. So I worked all the way up until I had that baby. And then I decided to stay home. And, you know, I, I, there was never like a, oh, I'm going to also write on the side or freelance. I really wasn't thinking about that because I'd been in the, you know, in the corporate world for quite a while. I was looking forward to just just, I hate it when I say that word. It happens. I, just staying I home is not. Just word. I, yeah, <laughs> that's not what I mean, you guys. I've done that on my own podcast too. Um, I was looking forward to the the pure purpose of staying home right. with two little babies, but it only took about I think six or seven, eight or nine months. And I, what happened was I got on Twitter and I started following all these funny bloggers on Twitter. And I wasn't, I wasn't uh, posting anything on Twitter at all. I was purely lurking, and I was reading all of these funny funny, funny women on Twitter. And often they were linking to their blog posts, their humor writers, um, many of whom I know now or I have connected with at conferences. But this was little me, you know, eight years ago. Um, My second just turned eight. So this is like exactly eight years ago. And I thought I could do that. Like I could be I could, I, the more sleep deprived I am, the funnier I am. Like I get really snarky. My be, some of my best funny writing has oh. happened when I'm like super sleep deprived. And I just sort of like, I got this bug, like, 
I, I could do that. I don't know what that would look like. I don't know if I should start my own blog. I don't know. I don't know what. And I did. I started tweeting a little bit. And there's, I use that time hop app that can remind you like what you were posting on this day in social media. And they'll still come up sometimes like from seven or eight oh. years ago, these funny things I was saying on Twitter. Anyway, <laughs> That's um, awesome. I, I got, this, I got this little like, like spark of an idea that I wanted to write about motherhood. And oddly, I had never thought about that. I was always a writer. And then I was a mom for like, you know, two and a half going on three years at this point. But I had never, it had never occurred to me. I really didn't know that this whole blogging world was really out there until then. Mm -hmm. So fast forward and I did some blogging and then I did some editing for a local mom's blog. And I always recommend for, um, you know, women who might want to start writing about motherhood or blogging, if you don't want to start your own blog and you don't have to, um, I think writing for a local mom's blog is a great in. It usually doesn't pay, but you it, it kind of combines that local community aspect with, you know, writing and blogging. And so I did that and I met some people and I, you know, got a little more confident. And then I started getting published in my local parenting magazine and realized mm-hmm. I knew nothing about magazine writing. And so I signed up to take a online course about how to be a freelance magazine writer. And that online course was in 2011, so seven years ago. And it was taught by Megan Francis, who had a blog, a very successful book and a blog at the time. At the time, it was called The Happiest Mom. And she was one of those moms I had been reading her blog and following her on Twitter. And she was offering this online freelance writing class. And I signed up and took it. It was a small group. It was all virtual. All, you know, happened over email and Facebook. And actually... A lot of the women in that class I am still connected to and have gone on to write and do other things. And um, But that is how Megan and I met And um, about so a year cool. later. Yeah. And so um, and she had a career in magazine writing. So that was mostly the focus of the class. And the funny thing is I, I really didn't write a lot of print magazine pieces after <laughs> that. I did. I did in my local um, the Phoenix area. And that was really fun to have your byline in print. But I didn't actually end up pursuing that very far. Um, But Megan brought me on about a year later to uh, act as managing editor for her blog, which had grown a lot at the time. And so I worked for her. And and this was all during times when I had really little babies. So I'm talking, when I say work, I'm talking about five to 10 hours a week during nap time. So it was really work that was fitting in with my lifestyle at the time. And that that continued for many years. I was not hitting it hard uh, writing career-wise for a long time. I was sort of doing it as I could. Um, And then, so in 2015, Megan had switched gears into podcasting and she had dabbled in podcasting and um, really saw the opportunity before a lot of people did. Because again, Serial came out, I think in 2015. I don't think most people knew what a podcast was until just a couple of years ago. Um, But Megan had really seen that opportunity. And um, we, at this point, we'd been working together for several years. And so we um, started the mom hour in April of 2015. Um, and so that was the podcast that, I mean, Megan, I mean, it was Megan's idea basically. Cause I, I still wasn't really thinking podcasting. I was barely familiar with the medium. Um, but it just clicked for both of us. Um, both of us have writing backgrounds, but we both like to talk. Um, and I think podcasting, I know we're going to get into this. I feel like I've talked for a while, but I think podcasting allowed both of us to uh, bring a little more nuance to the things we talk about. I mean, by this point, internet blogging had been, it had been around for a while and there was a fair amount of negativity out there. You know, you'd get nasty yeah. comments, people would disagree. There were like a lot of extreme opinions going on. And again, that that hasn't gone away. But I think um, 
Megan and I, by having a conversation on a podcast, allowed us to go deeper with some topics that on the blog had been pretty safe. Do you know what I mean? Like not wanting to make anybody mad on either end of the spectrum or, you know, trying to navigate that tone because things can be misunderstood in print in a different way than if you're listening to our voice. So that's kind of how it how it happened. That is one cool story and so <laughs> inspirational. I feel like there are so many things in there. I'm like, okay, I got to remember that and that because <laughs> that's a really good path to, to get into this for those who are listening who are maybe um, interested in starting. And that's a really good point you bring up that you know, writing can be misinterpreted, but if we hear your voice, <laughs> we can't really misinterpret your tone very much. And that's why podcasts are so awesome. And I want to talk about your important role as a podcaster. How do you, what do you feel is important about your role as a podcaster and specifically as a motherhood podcaster? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, I feel so lucky for on behalf of new moms who get to have podcasts in their lives. So first of all, <laughs> I feel really, I feel like I accidentally got lucky to be in this industry at this time. Right. Um, and so I'm not saying new moms are lucky to have Megan and me in their ears, although maybe, maybe they feel that way, but oh, they feel I that way. Fact, I'm speaking for them. <laughs> I think that the fact that, um, podcasting has come around is so exciting for motherhood. And so mm. I think the reason why is that early motherhood can be very isolating. Um, and that's what I found by reading blogs and Twitter. I found that connection and community. But it's different when you have voices in your ear and you can put it on the speakers in your kitchen while you're, you know, making bottles and doing dishes. And so I just feel like I feel like podcasting I'm, I'm podcasting's biggest cheerleader and not because I have one, because I feel like this is such a perfect medium for especially new moms. In terms of my role, I think one thing that surprised Megan and me both was when we started the podcast, my youngest was two and her youngest was six. And um, I think we thought, and then our kids went up in age from there. So we had from two to teen at the time. And now we have from five to adult. Um, and I think we expected that our listeners would be people in our same stage of life. Um, but that is not the case. Our listeners are people like yourself and moms who have, you know, a baby and a preschooler, or a baby and a toddler, or are still having new babies. Mm -hmm. um, and are, I think that part of that is a demographic thing. I think slightly younger millennial moms are more familiar with podcasting, but I don't think that's the only thing. I think it's a stage of life as well as just comfort with technology. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think our role, so our, our role surprised us. I don't think we expected to be this kind of voice of like, the more confident older sister who's been through everything. Um, and that very quickly that became pretty clear that that's what our listening community was. And I don't, not a hundred percent of them. We do have listeners who have older kids and teens and who are right along there with us. We have, we have a lot of those too, but we didn't expect that new moms would want to listen to us talk about things like getting ready for kindergarten yeah. or, you know, I tweens. listened to that episode and I loved it. <laughs> Even yeah. though I'm three years away from kindergarten, I, oh, I was like all in on that episode. Like, okay, yeah. I'm taking And people tell us all the time that not only do they not mind when we do stuff about teenagers or tweens, 
but that they really like it because it gives them this glimpse ahead. So I think I think our role, if we have a role, is to, like we were talking about with social media, is to keep it real as much as, you know, our comfort and our privacy allow. Mm-hmm. Um, because the people who are listening are looking ahead at what's to come. And I think there's a lot of podcasts out there just like with social media, that either gloss over the hard stuff or that dwell in the hard stuff, one or the mm-hmm. other. That it's all, it's all you know, hard stuff and messes and oh my gosh, I haven't slept in ten years and mm-hmm. all that, or that it's all perfect. And I think we've, I think we have achieved a kind of happy medium for a lot of people, and I feel really good about that. I totally agree. You, you have, <laughs> and I think that's why, <laughs> Thank like, you. why I gravitate towards your podcast and why others I know do too is because of that very real balance that we love being moms and it's not something that we're upset about or that we regret doing because a lot of us have given up um, not given up but taken a break from careers or other opportunities to do this and we don't want to feel like that was you know like the worst mistake of our life (laughs) we don't feel that way and um, your podcast is really uplifting in that way but also very real about the struggles that we face as moms yeah and um, I think it's I think it's really important to give moms permission to have a crappy day. Like yes. it's, it's, um, there's a lot out there about being grateful for what we have. And so then we're supposed to feel grateful at every minute, even when it's real difficult. So I, I think, don't feel grateful I think, with poop on my hands. To yeah, be honest. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and I think that's super important to kind of grant that permission. Um, while still maintaining an overall, you know, appreciation for the importance of what we're doing. So, mm. yeah. Thank I you. love that. And, and you know, it is harder than a lot of us would like to admit that we do need moms, that moms need moms. And for me, discovering mm-hmm. the world of podcasts was, like you said, discovering mom friends. Like I felt mm-hmm. like you were my friend and I was just listening and participating in a conversation about the things that are actually just always on my mind, you know, and um, so I, I do love that. It really is like you have a friend. It's really important for moms, especially in that new mom stage where a lot of people struggle with loneliness. And I just feel like it is a medium to reach out to people through social media that is just unlike anything else. I I agree. And, and, you know, Megan had 10 or 15 years writing and blogging and I had a few years and we never, ever had the kind of response from readers that we do from listeners because of because of that, because of what you're saying there, um, there's an approachability about having us in your ears or having, you know, this conversation in your ears right now. Um, that is, I think it's almost all a positive gain. Like I can't think of really any drawbacks and, you know, there's still plenty of room for blogging and writing for sure. Um, but we never had the response from a community in the blog, in the years that we blogged that we have from podcast listeners. And I think it's because, they feel like they know you. They yeah. feel like they can reach out and talk to you a little bit a little bit more than they can usually because you really when you're speaking in your listeners' ears, they feel like they're talking to you. <laughs> right. 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 So usually this podcast includes both me and my husband. And we like to talk about He didn't you. want to talk to me? I mean <laughs> No, I forbid him. I wanted you all to myself. <laughs> <laughs> um and we like to talk about marriage too. Equally with parenting and the ups and downs and the hilarity that can ensue when you combine your life with someone else. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm curious just really quickly just how you met your husband. Yeah, Uh, we met in college at the very end of college. So we had kind of the benefit of 
we have separate college experiences. We didn't start dating until he had graduated and I was going into my senior year. But we have kind of a shared, we have some mutual friends and a, and a shared experience, but we didn't date through college, if that makes sense. Yeah, that totally makes sense. That's actually our story, but with high school. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and how are your personalities different and how do they complement each other? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I am more uptight. I worry more. Um, he's delightfully laid back. Um, I knew that I knew that and still and yet still really motivated and driven and, you know, not laid back like a couch loafer, you know. Um, but when I met him, I was dancing a lot. Um, I was in ballet companies and doing all that kind of thing. And I remember bringing him to a rehearsal because we were on our way out to his dad's house, which was about an hour outside Chicago. And so he came to rehearsal with me because it was kind of in the middle and we were on a longer drive. So he's sitting in this dance studio surrounded by little girls and their moms. Like no, And he was like a 22-year-old, like recent college graduate dude. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he was like so comfortable making conversation with the moms, like uh-huh. making everybody feel comfortable comfortable. And I thought that takes talent, like to go into this very, like so different from any other part of your life and like nobody who's in your demographic in the room. And so I always say I can take him anywhere. He's, he's (laughs) more outgoing and friendly than I am. So we make a good team at a cocktail party. He can talk to anybody. I always tease him. He he has to talk to every cab and Uber driver (laughs) and I don't want to talk to anyone. Um, so, so we're pretty different on like the extrovert introvert scale. And on the, um, I would say on the, like, anxiety worry scale we're mm-hmm. we're pretty opposite um but i think we we find the same things funny we have a lot of the same interests we're both he he doesn't actively write for his job anymore but he's a fantastic writer and a very very funny wordsmith so we have you know puns and wordplay in our blood which makes our kids like the nerdiest <laughs> vocab they, the, our kids are like yeah, they're going to have great vocabularies, but they are word nerds from the beginning. <laughs> that's um, so cute. So I, I think that's kind of like where we're similar is the things we find funny, the things we find interesting um, are very similar, but maybe how we respond to situations. And I, I mean, goodness knows I need it. I, it wouldn't be good <laughs> for me to be paired with someone who got riled up about things the way I do. So <laughs> <laughs> Nothing would ever get done. Yeah. Yeah. My husband and I are that way too. We're very opposite in our personalities. And I feel like that's kind of the biggest blessing we've had in our marriage. Yeah. We are each other's best accessory. Yep. (laughs) Um, So what is one just simple thing that you two do on a regular basis to strengthen your marriage? I think laughing. I think finding humor that you share. And we just, we really enjoy a lot of the same pop culture and television and podcasts. And so I think that's a through line that has nothing to do with our kids or laundry or, you know, (laughs) chores, but the laundry and chores and kids is this, it's just always going to be there. So Mm -hmm. if you, if you are enjoying something else together, I think that's helpful. I also think if you, if you met your spouse when you were relatively young, I mean, you guys definitely were, we were 21 and 22. Um, I think it's really important to make room for both people to evolve. And that includes trying new hobbies and doing different things and um, knowing that, you know, nobody's fixed in their final form, especially at young age. But even if you met when you were 32. um, And I think that's been that's been important for us too. just knowing that we're each going to delve into new career paths, new hobbies, um, and knowing that and not being threatened by what that means for the marriage, I think is helpful. 
That's such a good point. I think it is important for us to understand that our spouse is also still on this life journey and they're still trying to grow and change and that we should we should support that change instead of, like you said, feel threatened by it and um, be each other's number one cheerleader. Yeah. Okay, I want to do just a lightning round of some three little questions. Um, the first one, what TV show are you loving? <laughs> Okay, well, I have TV is like probably my only side hobby that truly has nothing to do with work or kids because <laughs> my whole work is around motherhood and it's all like tight. So right, right, right now we're watching Killing Eve on BBC America. Okay. Um, that's just right this second. It's with, um, oh my gosh, I'm going to blank out on her name. Sandra Oh, who was on Grey's Anatomy famously, um, who's a fantastic a- actress. And it's BBC America, which I haven't like, found other shows on that network I heard that Hulu picked it up and it's um it's definitely like a cat and mouse like good guy bad guy situation murder mystery intrigue but both the bad guy and the good guy are female so some interesting twists it also takes place in Europe in all different cities so the it's visually really fun to watch because it's London and Berlin and Paris and really cool on location um but I could do a whole podcast about TV because I love TV. <laughs> Another one we have loved recently, two more we've loved recently are The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, um, which is an Amazon original, and Godless. Godless is HBO, I believe. Um, n- none of these are super PG. I mean, there's definitely, I probably could come up with some really tame ones too, but there's great TV on right now. Oh, yeah. I'm going to have to check these out. I feel like we're in a continual cycle of like The Office and Parks and Rec and they just Okay, I love I love Parks and Rec. We are currently doing a rewatch from the beginning of 30 Rock, which is my favorite sitcom of all time, and we're oh, going back to from the very beginning. And I would do that with Parks and Rec too. We didn't watch Parks and Rec until more recently, so I feel like I don't maybe need a rewatch, but the the rewatch of 30 Rock from the beginning is super satisfying. It's like comfort. Oh, it's yeah. comfort TV for me. Well, I guess I mentioned more of the dramas, but we almost always have a comedy going too. So right now it's 30 Rock um, and Community. Have you ever seen Community? Yeah, yes, okay. yes, yes. So we that's will. another one that we do. Okay, thank you for those recommendations. I'm going to go check them out. Um, so what is just one simple little thing that keeps you sane right now? I'm going to say, this is super boring and like old lady-ish, but I'm going to say sleep. I really prioritize sleep. I'm, I, you know, had many years had kids who didn't sleep and now I'm in a relatively good place. Like I said, my youngest is five. Even that five-year-old woke up at two in the morning to use the bathroom last night. So it's not perfect, but it's way better than it was for so long. Oh, I um, you. <laughs> and I just, prioritizing sleep, my own sleep is um, something I feel really uh, strong about. And so I think that's just the basis for sanity for me. And I don't, I I have no problem going to bed early. I know I feel, I really feel for night owls who want to go to bed early in theory, but who have a burst of energy. (laughs) I don't have that problem. Like I have no burst of energy. So it is, I have zero problem going to bed at nine o'clock or even sometimes a little earlier, but I probably go to bed around nine 30 every night and happily. That's awesome. My husband is a night owl and I feel like we're constantly in this debate of like, okay, should we use this time to sleep so we aren't exhausted or should we right. use this time to do what we want to do? <laughs> right, and that's hard. busy all day. Yeah, and I, I know that's a common struggle. I just can't, I, I just am not a night person, so I I'm, think you're I'm wise. out. <laughs> <laughs> you are wise to do that, and I think that oh. <laughs> I would benefit from that. Um, so lastly, what just piece of advice would you give to a mom out there who's listening who 
wants to pursue their creative passions but aren't sure how to get started or don't feel they have time? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. I would say that um, a couple of things. One is leave the leave the possibility open that your creative passion is not what you thought it was going to be. Um, mm-hmm. And instead, pay attention. I just saw this meme go around on the internet again, and it's worth mentioning, but it says, pay attention to what you do when you procrastinate, because mm-hmm. that is what you're meant to be doing. I'm t- I totally just butchered it, but that's the idea. Um, awesome. So if you had some, you know, a deadline or, you know, something that you had to be doing and you were totally doing that, like the worst kind of procrastination, pay attention to what, you know, if you're binge watching movie musicals or, you know, I don't know, like pay attention to what you do when you procrastinate. And I guess the the tie into that is the thing you think that's going to be your creative passion may be, and it may not be, but if, if you're in the trenches of motherhood and you don't have six hours a day to devote to it, I think you, the opportunity is to just pay attention. Pay attention to what lights you up. Pay attention to um, what you see around you. And if you feel that little twinge of envy or jealousy that someone else gets to, you know, write all day every day, like pay attention to what gets you excited. Um, if you don't have time to get started right now, it's still worth noticing. Yeah. That's a really good piece of advice because then when you do start, you'll be able to know what to do, what to spend your time on. Yeah, exactly. Well, Sarah, you are an inspiration to me. Seriously. Well, thank you, Maren. That's so sweet. And I'm so grateful that our listeners get to hear you talk and um, they can hear you more on the Mom Hour. Um, Where else can they find you? Yeah, so the Mom Hour is available wherever you guys get podcasts. And since you're listening to one, the hardest part is over. You already know how to listen to a podcast. That, for most people, is the (laughs) hardest piece of the puzzle. Oh, And um, all of our episodes and stuff about us is at themomhour.com. And then I am Powers of Mine on Instagram. That's probably where I'm most public. I don't tend to friend people on Facebook unless I know them. So, And I don't use Facebook quite as much, but I'm... I'm happy to have people on Instagram, so I'm powers of mine on Instagram. Um, and yeah, the Mom Hour keeps growing. We're kind of bringing a blogging element back to it, so there will be some blog posts and articles there at themomhour.com as well, so that's probably the best way to go. Well, thank you so much. I've loved talking to you. Thank you, Marin. It was really fun. Thanks for having me. Okay, I hope you all loved that interview as much as I did. What did you think, Dal? Honestly, it was really awesome. My favorite part was when you guys were mentioning that your creative outlet might not be exactly what you would think it would be, and that it's okay for that to change, and also to make sure that you let your spouse evolve over I love time. That too. I, was, I mean, that those are really great points to be made. So, yeah, absolutely. cool stuff. Yeah, for sure. Let's have Ron again. <laughs> Yeah, so um, like she said, you can find her at themomhour.com. We're so grateful for all of you who tuned in today and who have been tuning in thus far. We welcome new listeners. And if you haven't yet, please scroll down and subscribe and leave us a review if you found any value in this episode. Please visit bothofus.net and go and follow us on Instagram. At bothofuspodcast. You can also email us at bothofuspodcast at gmail.com. Okay, have a great week.